0: Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Now more than ever, you need a laptop that can be as adaptable as you are. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Finally, a premium laptop at an affordable price. Starting at just $549, its light, thin design, vibrant touchscreen, powerful processor, and built-in HD camera and mic turns any room in your home into a classroom, office, or study hall. Available in three amazing colors the whole family will love, Visit surface.com slash laptop go for more details. 14, mission San From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle.
1: Welcome back to Total SF, Heather Knight. Hello, always good to be here. You know, we're still in our homes, um, talking in our living rooms or whatever, but I feel like we're being rewarded for our good behavior, Heather. Fun places are starting to open up again, including in Golden Gate Park. Yes, as you know, I've been spending a lot of time there because I'm obsessed with car-free JFK, but now we can actually go inside a couple of places. I actually have tickets with my son to go see the Frida Kahlo exhibit at the De Young um, on Halloween because we can't go trick-or-treating. So um, it's fun that we can start doing new things. Yeah, I have a Frida Kahlo mask that my mother made for me. <laughs> and <laughs> I to wear. <laughs> I'm going to wear it in the Frida Kahlo exhibit and... Um, And hopefully I get compliments. I'm Um, sure you will. Yeah, so we have the observation wheels opening up. Mm -hmm. Um, Botanical Gardens opened up a while ago, and I've been there, and it's been awesome. And the Cal Academy opens on Friday, October 23rd, which brings us to today's podcast guest, Steinhardt Aquarium director Bart Shepard. I've been thinking a lot about the aquarium because I've been doing little hikes by it and really want to go inside, and I almost feel like I've been taking it for granted. Um, we have all these bike paths there, JFK Drives open, the Panhandle. I think I'm going like, to just go and chill at the aquarium during a work day. Ooh, I want to go with you. Yeah, I love the aquarium. Um, and I Bart Shepard, we get his origin story in this episode. He started essentially as an intern at the Academy uh, at the Steinhardt Aquarium. I asked him some of the longest living aquarium exhibits. Shout out to Methuselah the Lungfish. You know how old, <laughs> Heather? How old? Uh, I think it's over 80 years now. Oh, my goodness. Methuselah the lungfish, and we don't know how long they live. It could, be, could outlive both of us. Hope not. Uh, <laughs> we, we talk about what the fish and the other animals have been up to since the people have been gone. They've done yoga in front of the penguins to keep them company. And I do know they've taken the pair of parrots they have around to say hello to other animals. It's a feel-good episode, Heather. Um, Bart Shepard coming up. The Cal Academy is open. Reservations at calacademy.org. I'm Peter Hartlob, here with Heather Knight, and this is Total SF. Thank you very much. Welcome to Total SF. Bart Shepherd speaking to me live from Cal Academy.
0: That's correct. I'm in the the basement, which is where they always put the aquarium people. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's a wonderful basement though. It's just one of the best basements yeah. in San Francisco, I think. Yeah, it
0: is. And I mean as far as basements go, we do actually have a wall of glass next to us that where the hillside's been cut away. So we get natural light, which is, you know, a luxury in oh, the basement.
1: That's good. I see a fish tank in back of you and it's not like a steinhardt aquarium fish tank it's like if i had a fish fish tank (laughs) um can i just start by asking you what's in there
0: yeah well not so much right now um it's a small little planted tank so it's a freshwater tank with live plants in it and there are some uh, rasboras in there and some um, algae eating shrimp so it's pretty sparse because i haven't been working on site very much and so i had to you know it's just one more thing for the rest of the aquarium staff to take care of is the tank in the director's office, right?
1: Yeah, well, we're all rebuilding. um, And uh, Cal Academy opening, reopening, uh, as we're speaking, it's reopened to members. And then on Friday, October 23rd, opening back to the public, correct? Yes,
0: that's correct. We can't wait.
1: Yeah, well, I I wanna talk a little bit about that. I'm curious what the aquarium's been like uh, during the pandemic uh, and, uh, and have a couple just questions about things going forward. But I've never spoken with you. I follow you on Twitter <laughs> and you are an excellent follow. I learn a lot no, that's I feel great. like Thank you. I feel like I'm getting maybe like a three unit class <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm not sure what but uh, uh, um, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, the beginnings because you seem like you have a pretty close connection to cal academy and the steinhardt aquarium but you you grew up uh, across other side of the
0: country i did that's right i grew up in southeastern virginia in the norfolk virginia beach area but right on the chesapeake bay and you know in, in many ways that was hugely formative for me just you know being a an ocean kid going to the beach going fishing all of those things
1: do you have a formative memory? I mean, just something where you look back and say, "Okay, that's where my origin story started." Um,
0: I mean, not a not a single memory, but I, I will say, you know, I, I give my mom a lot of credit because when I was maybe six or seven years old, uh, we got a 20-gallon aquarium for my room, and it, it was great. It was this was you know the 70s, and one of their friends had a, this coffee table aquarium that they were getting rid of so I mean it was literally a glass topped coffee table that had a fish tank in it and so we got the fish and the red gravel and the fake like Roman ruins and plastic plants and all those kinds of things and all we had to do was buy the tank and so for years I had that in my bedroom I slept to the sound of the bubbling pump you know the air pump and uh, my mom and I would go to the fish store and pick out fish and sort of clean the tank together and do all those things so i give her a lot of credit for that
1: well i i'm curious because i grew up in the bay area and you know the cal academy was something that i mean was part of my life constantly and what i realize now is that there were a lot of kind of interesting things going on uh during that time that were really national stories too and i'm wondering if you had a period, you know, either when you were younger or getting a little older, where you suddenly became aware of of, of Cal Academy of Sciences. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I
0: think it, you know, it, the the branding folks will probably hate me for this, but I, I was aware of Steinhardt Aquarium more so than Cal Academy, which is probably true for yeah. many people in that in that era. Uh, and I can remember, um, you know, mainly I remember seeing, you know, again fish nerd, right? Get fish magazines and read magazines about fish. Everything was fish. <laughs> and, and I can remember um, seeing photos taken from Steinhardt Aquarium of, of fish in fish magazines. And there was a photographer, an academy photographer by the name of Ken Lucas that worked with John McCosker back in the day. Uh-huh. And I mean, I just remember those captions, photo by Ken Lucas at Steinhardt Aquarium. Um, and so I certainly remember that
1: and john mccosker we should just i'm not going to let it stop there i mean absolute legend um i i would see him when i was young i remember him you Mm -hmm. know physically seeing him in the little tide pool underneath that fish roundabout and and uh and uh and i've spoken to him in the last few years is he still yeah he is yeah
0: i have talked with him a couple of times not too long ago as well and um yeah he's still around and you know he's retired but like many cal academy folks they retire, and then they still come to work every day. Um, so I haven't seen him here on site in quite some time, but, but he's still very active with us, yeah.
1: Well, I'll give him my best and tell him I hope to see him when everything's safe. Um, did you have a first visit? Did you get to go as a kid? Was there a San Francisco trip somewhere along the way? Yeah,
0: I wasn't a kid. Um, I was in my early 20s, um, so I came out to San Francisco. Uh, I... After graduating college, um, I worked in an aquarium in Virginia Beach for about a year, uh, and the Virginia Aquarium is called now. And um, and then um, before going to grad school, I went out, came out to San Francisco uh, in the summer of 1994, I guess it was, uh, to visit some friends that had lived out here. You know, with the the idea in my mind that, and I, I, I probably see myself living out here eventually. and Uh, So I did go to the old Cal Academy uh, in 1994 and, you know, see the aquarium at that time. And that was right, I think, as John was ending his time as director of the aquarium. And uh, there was another director, Bob Jenkins, that had started right then.
1: I'm trying to think 94, um, and I... Was there was that butterball the manatee no butterball there. Was, was not was still it? there the uh, the <laughs>
0: dolphins were still there, and so I do remember okay. seeing them and I mean, you know being sort of shocked at there were three dolphins in a sixty thousand gallon swimming pool <laughs> essentially yeah. Um, but I, yeah I remember i mean what the thing that really stood out to me uh, was the freshwater fish collection and you know i 'm a mostly a marine person now. I study coral reefs and work on coral reefs, but freshwater fish have always interested me. And the, t- at that time, Steinhardt Aquarium had an unrivaled collection of freshwater fish from, you know, all over North America, all around the world, uh, the likes of which I had never seen under one roof, which was, you know, it was really astonishing.
1: Yeah, I, I remember, um, and I, I love the new configuration. It's modern. It's, the, it's more of the open kitchen, kind of open floor plan. But I remember that old Cal Academy. You'd go around a corner... And I just wouldn't know where I was going. It was like a labyrinth almost. Um, you know, you might end up in a room full of far side yes, cartoons yeah. or you might end up in a, you know, room full of freshwater fish or whatever. But uh, it was kind of just a surprise around every corner, which is a kid I really enjoyed. And I, I love bringing my kids to the new one. It's a, it's a there's some kind of touchstones that are still there. Mm-hmm. But um, but I, I'm wondering, from your point of view, and I'm, I guess we're going to fast forward really quick here, but were you thinking about the Cal Academy, and how did you end up um, um, getting out here?
0: Well, I, so I, I worked, as I said, in an aquarium in Virginia um, for about a year, a little more than a year, and then went to grad school. I was in, uh, at Vassar in Poughkeepsie, New York, for two years, and, you know, that's the mid-Hudson. It's beautiful mm-hmm. for, like, the two weeks of autumn <laughs> and the two weeks of spring. Um, I grew up, you know, not in the south, but southeastern Virginia certainly is um, not known for the uh, snowfall, and so I, it was brutal. I had two winters in Poughkeepsie, New York, and I was done, you know, with snow 10 inches to 18 inches, something like that overnight, and uh, I just was not used to that. Uh, so I, m- I moved out to California, um, you know, to San Francisco, because it was going to be sunny and warm, and... Um, I know all of those things that people think, and I had I had good friends from college that lived out here, uh, and so moved out here really to just try and start things after grad school. I had no intent of um, you know I didn't have the job lined up. Uh, you know I had I thought maybe I could get a job at Steinhardt Aquarium and. So I started volunteering uh, in October of 1996 for a man named Tom Tucker, who was the curator of the aquarium at the time for many, many years. And a great mentor for me, and uh, you know, over over that time. And, yeah, I volunteered, you know, two, three days a week while I right after I had just moved out here and while I was still finishing writing my thesis before I had gone back to defend the master's thesis. And uh, mm-hmm. that's how I sort of got the foot in the door. And, um, early 1997, you know, one person got fired, another person quit, there were two positions that opened, and there I was in the, you know, in the door as a biologist.
1: A couple questions. Um, what does a volunteer do? I mean, are you kind of learning every little part of that aquarium? And uh, have you been at Steinhardt Aquarium continuously since Yeah, then?
0: yeah, 20, what, 23 years or something now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's astonishing. Uh, so, yeah, well, at the time, the volunteer, um, you know, everybody's favorite, the fish roundabout. Uh, so I would feed the fish roundabout, uh, which meant I carried, like, two five-gallon buckets completely full of, like, white bait, smelt, and things like that, up three flights of stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you, like, dumped it in, and in a matter of seconds, they would eat all that food, and then you'd go back down the stairs. Um, I dove in the roundabout and cleaned it, uh, I, there was uh, some holding tanks behind the scenes that I worked on. I, you know, just pretty much anything. Um, you know.
1: That that roundabout, I, I think for every person of a certain age who grew up in the Bay Area, that was your first experience with meditation. <laughs> yeah. Because I just remember going up there and then just waiting for the fish to come, waiting for the stingray to come around mm-hmm. and just kind of chilling out, my blood pressure dropping. Um Wondered from your point of view. I mean, you really had a lot of experience with that old aquarium, and then this opportunity comes um, to rebuild it. Um, kind of, what were your thoughts about that, and how did you see that that whole experience? Um, I'm, I'm guessing there were headaches there too, oh, but I'm also thinking yeah. there's opportunity. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, that's honestly why I stayed. Right? Is um you know, when I came out here and, and interviewed for the first position as a biologist in Steinhardt Aquarium, they had architectural plans and exhibit drawings to just renovate the aquarium. And that was before uh, the Academy had decided, no, we have to take the whole thing down and start anew. It was just going to be this aquarium and this adjacent uh, hall that had been damaged during the Loma Prieta earthquake. We were going to do some work there. Um, and so I was all excited that, I, you know, I'm, here I am. I'm showing up right at the right time. I'm going to uh, be involved in this project, the design and the construction, um, which is really, you know, an amazing opportunity. And it, little did I know it was going to take, you know, seven years or something <laughs> for it to materialize. Um, but I got to really build two aquariums. You know, I was uh, among the very first staff downtown at Howard Street uh, when we were mm-hmm. setting that facility up you know, working with union plumbers and electricians and carpenters, like building tank stands and showing them how to do plumbing on aquarium systems because, you know, they're used to doing it in an office building or whatever.
1: And I, I should mention for anybody who doesn't, isn't visualizing it, this is about a block and a half from the Chronicle. It's a building like, you know, a few, few doors down from Burlington yeah, exactly. Coat Factory that I thought was just... You know Buca de Beppo's there, and then you 've got this big building, and all of a sudden it 's an aquarium and i 'm just thinking how is the how are these tanks not just falling through the floor and i 'm sure you had that figured out yeah,
0: well it was a um, like a warehouse for a to store clothing and things for um, was it the emporium, and so it had these big heavy duty concrete floors because they would drive forklifts around on them moving the packages around so uh, so it, yeah it worked out it worked out well it worked out well yeah. Uh, but yeah it was you know that's it's I told somebody one time yeah it was a once in a lifetime opportunity and they were like actually you did it twice you know as you, <laughs> uh, and it, it was it's an amazing experience you know, you know to, to work to get to work with architects and exhibit designers and all these creative folks to conceptualize the thing and then turn around and work with you know plumbers and carpenters and, and people who sculpt concrete to make it look like a coral reef and Uh, and actually put the thing together um, was really an amazing experience.
1: We'll be right back after this short break.
0: Support for this podcast comes from Fidelity Investments. Introducing a new kind of return on investment, Fidelity Rewards Plus, a program with exclusive benefits for eligible wealth management clients. Once enrolled, you can earn up to 3% unlimited cash back on credit card purchases, access to three layers of advanced identity protection, and more. See the full list of benefits and learn about no-cost enrollment at fidelity.com slash rewards. Fidelity Rewards Plus offers three tiers of membership, with benefits increasing as eligible assets increase. In order to receive 3% cash back, card members must qualify for the highest tier. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. You could lose money by investing in a money market fund. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC.
1: I'm always curious going down there how much of kind of that old aquarium still exists in the new aquarium and I don't you know it'd be okay but I don't want this to totally turn into a Methuselah podcast (laughs) but how much is still there like and are there little things that maybe we're not seeing
0: well I would say um yeah I mean certainly there's Methuselah who you know we've had what, since 1937 that's eight, or something like that <laughs> which yes yeah, that's a very very long time for a fish uh, we have alligator gar as well um, which are uh, these huge freshwater fish from the southeastern part of north america and uh, some of those we've had since the 50s and the 60s uh, the four alligator snapping turtles that are in our swamp mm-hmm. uh, with Claude, the albino alligator we've had those since the early 1970s uh, 1974 i think and they were actually um, brought in and, and sort of donated to us as a rescue. Uh, somebody had bought them because they were at a market for food. Wow. And somebody had gone in and bought, I think it was you know a dozen of them or something at a time, and, and brought them to Steinhardt Aquarium to rescue them. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's things like that. We have the, the Burmese vine snakes, which uh, one of our, uh, our academy scientists teams collected in Myanmar. Uh, back in the late 1990s, and they brought back about a dozen of those, and they're actually live-bearing snakes. There's male and female, and uh, you know the females give birth to live young, and we've kept them going as a sort of colony. Uh, for, so that whole time, and we still have those yeah. in the aquarium. So you know there are there are things like that around.
1: Well, I, I just remember bringing my my son there for the first time, and I'd brought him when he was maybe a little too young to to really know what was going on to the 875 uh, you know the, the the interim spot but I, re- I just remember bringing him there and I thought it was a just such a great blend where I could go see something that was from my childhood the pendulum just the way the yeah, seahorse did. railings were in there but it was something totally new for him and 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 now that I'm thinking about it you know, this is a bad segue to the pandemic, but it's a much, much better building for what we're going through now um, with all that open space. I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, when, when did the pandemic really become a reality in your life? And were you planning from that from that moment for a reopening?
0: Yeah. Um, well, it became a reality on, was it Thursday, March 12th? <laughs> yeah. uh, when we decided to close our doors and not open uh, for nightlife that night. Yeah. Uh, you know, because of the trends, and we knew the shelter-in-place order was coming, and we'd been in close conversation with the city. We'd actually uh, stood up what we call an incident command, which is a way that we kind of do planning and response for, um, you know, unforeseen sort of emergency situations, and and we stood that up um, a couple of months before, not seeing that, you know, this was perhaps coming. And so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think initially I thought when we closed our doors, yeah, it might be a couple weeks, it might be a month, and it ended up being 214 days uh, before we reopened our doors, which that's not an insignificant chunk of time. It's two-thirds of a year uh, that we're closed to the public. Um, What that meant, you know, largely for for many of us who are, you know, administrator-type people or who have office jobs or are scientists who... Uh, work in labs is that we were off-site but my whole team um, which is almost 50 people uh, in the steinhardt aquarium staff the biologists uh, the animal health department people who do water chemistry um, you know they were all here every day still doing their job in what's largely was an empty building you know with a couple of security guards
1: what what was that like um you know, as as I think my colleague Heather Knight wrote, you know the the zoo animals and the the aquarium um, exhibits—they don't get to shelter in place. Yeah. I mean, they still need to be fed. I'm sure there's expense, but just what was the space like during these months?
0: Yeah. Well, I would say, um, you know, initially we we split the team up into two teams, A-team and B-team, and they didn't overlap, and we were really just trying to hedge our bets, not knowing about as much as we know now about community transmission and, you know, how the virus is moving through population. Um, You know, I was worried that it was going to run through the staff and we'd lose a big chunk of people all at one time and then just not have bodies to come in and take care of the animals, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So we divided up into these split teams, and we ran that way for a few months, um, that starts to get really old. I mean, it's, it's, it's a grind. I had one of my team members um, describe it to me as purgatory, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you're coming in every day, you're doing the same work, you're interacting with the same people, um, you're missing and not seeing all of the same people in the public, and uh, there's no end in sight. Um, so it was, it was hard on them, for sure. It was hard on them. It took a toll. So in July, for a lot of reasons, you know, learning more about the virus, different counties opening up in different different manners, um, you know, wearing on the team for sure, um, you know, in terms of the drain of just covering every day, covering for somebody else, uh, we merged those teams and we went back to our regular staffing structure and we've been running that way since about the middle of July now. And, um, you know, it's it was a weird place. I would come in every <laughs> once in a while and check on things and... Uh, it reminded me a lot of the, of the old academy and the time when we closed and before we opened down at Howard Street, or at Howard Street when we closed mm-hmm. and before we reopened the new building here. Uh, it just was, you know, not show ready. There's carts and ladders and equipment. All the doors are propped open. These, you know, certain lights are on. All the exhibit stuff is off. Uh, it just looks um, not ready for prime time. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it's a weird feeling to come in and, and see that, you know, day in and day out and, um, miss the energy of having you know our visitors our members everybody coming in and you know seeing the fruits of all that labor Th-
1: this may be the worst question of my career but i'm gonna ask it <laughs> anyway i'm gonna shoot um, do the animals do the fish notice do you, do the changes affect them at all
0: um, you know, fish, hard to say. Um, a lot of aquariums, you know, there's a, there's a fair amount of ambient noise in there just because of pumps and aeration and things like that. And and when the, the exhibit galleries are dark, the windows largely are mirrors to the fish. So, you know, they're looking at a reflection, not out at, at people. Um, we did notice it for sure in, in certain animals. Um, the penguins were the one that stood out to me the most because, uh, you know, they're at the end of Africa Hall uh, and they're... Um, always getting people all day long interacting up against the window you know putting their hands on the window everything and and so I would notice the penguins were much more responsive uh, when I would come in (laughs) and walk up to the front of the tank it's like they were you know starving for attention right they wanted that attention uh, so we had some of the staff doing creative things they would do uh, yoga in the morning in front of the penguins oh, that's awesome. um, we were doing different things just to try and you know enrich them um, and, and fill in some of that space that that was missing um, our macaws as well we have a pair of uh, blue and gold macaws that live in the rainforest and um, again you know they're on a perch for most of the day people coming in and talking to them and looking at them and uh, and they're missing that. So the macaws, they, did, they were on like a bit of a road show. We have a mobile cart for them that has a branching perch on it. And so you come around the corner and the macaws would be in front of the Cal Coast tank or they'd be in front of the coral reef or, you know, they'd be in our <laughs> office area in the cubicles. And uh, so they got, to, they got to go on little adventures every day just to sort of keep them stimulated. Oh, I love that.
1: Uh, what about uh, octopus escapes? I just, I'm, I'm envisioning, any time <laughs> yeah. I hear about an aquarium, I'm just envisioning the uh, elaborate octopus escapes.
0: Yeah, no no escapes from the octopus. I mean, our um, giant Pacific octopus, um, she laid eggs like 14 months ago, which is usually, you know, they go into senescence when they lay eggs. That's kind of the sign of the end, uh, and, and that's, you know, when their lives are naturally over in the wild. and. Uh, for some reason she's really hung on there and, and so you know she's you know pretty subdued not super active at this point in her life she's she's very old but she's um, still there in, in the exhibit and uh, you know again 14 months after laying eggs is pretty remarkable
1: I, I don't know the uh, the I don't know the uh, uh octopus husbandry are the eggs hatched now do we have baby octopi
0: no there so they these um, and I'm not sure with this, with this batch whether they were actually even fertile okay um, you know because she had been with us for quite some time and I don't remember what that happened 14 months ago um, but the uh, the 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 giant Pacific octopus and and many octopus um, they lay eggs that are super, super tiny, and so they're really, really small larvae that okay. hatch out and then sort of disperse in the plankton.
1: Gotcha. Um, so, people coming back, you've had uh, members back for a few days as we're recording this. How's that gone, and what are kind of the changes going to be? What, what are some updates that you've had, especially in the aquarium, because that's probably mm-hmm. some of the tighter spaces um, at, at the Cal Academy? Yeah.
0: Well, we, we're at this point we're operating at 25% capacity, which is you know pretty um, significant. Uh, fewer number of people there, so uh, so it's 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 pretty spaced out in there. You know, I just before talking to you, I walked through the galleries, and there are folks here walking around and enjoying themselves, but there's a lot of space between them. And, um, which is great. I mean, it's, just, it's a wonderful way to enjoy the facility. Uh, you know, we have hand sanitizer everywhere. There's free, more frequent cleaning. Um, you know, guests have to reserve their uh, tickets ahead of time online to pick a specific time. And we have some electronic ways to meter folks through uh, some of the more capacity-limited experiences like our rainforest or the shake house. Mm-hmm. Um, some things, of course, we've we've rem- will remain closed for at least a little while, like the planetarium. Uh, you know, it's a, considered to be a theater, so, so that's going to be one that will open up uh, later as the restrictions loosen and, and get some more guidance from public health officials on that. Uh, and then some of the interactive exhibits as well. We've modified them. Uh, just, you know, to kind of limit touching and I don't know if you remember there was a, you put your arm in a hole and pull a little lever and it simulated like an anaconda squeezing you Uh Um, you know, we've taken things like that out just to, you know, reduce the risk of uh, people you know, cross-contaminating and things In the aquarium, I would say that, you know, we we did have one uh, new exhibit that we were planning on opening in March and (laughs) now we get to open it you know, in October, um, which is on venoms. And so that's in the, the far back of the aquarium in a, a changing exhibit gallery that we've we've changed a number of times. It was called Animal Attraction uh, prior to this. And um, that's got some, some wonderful uh, animal habitats and vitrines in there. There's a uh, bumblebee exhibit. There's some scorpion fishes, a jellyfish, um, a couple of snakes. You know, there's things like that in there that are, um, you know, Venom, tell the venomous story
1: and you've kind of started to answer my next question i mean to what degree are you you know preparing the space and and just you know maintaining and to what degree are you you know maybe using this as an opportunity to go out on a marine expedition or or think about the next um next uh, attractions that you're going to have
0: yeah, I, I will say, I mean, since you mentioned the expedition, it's been a year since I've been scuba diving, and that's uh-huh. the longest, that, uh, longest time that I've gone without, you know, putting my head underwater in, in quite some time. So I do miss that. Um, we have a, a travel ban still in place, um, you know, for good reasons. Uh, and so that's limited uh, our ability to get out there and do research and, and conduct it. Uh, so so we'll, uh, we'll get back to that. You know, that'll, that'll come, but we just have to be patient. Uh, as far as planning uh, for the future, yeah, we're absolutely doing that. You know, we have a, uh, a relatively new executive director, Dr. Scott Sampson, and so he's leading us through uh, some strategic planning for the whole organization. We're looking at, um, you know, really what's the purpose of the Cal Academy in this post-COVID world? Like, why do we exist and uh, how can we help change the world and make it a better place for people and nature alike? Uh, and, um, you know, different initiatives that will support that uh, over the coming five years. So we're working on that quite diligently. That's been uh, a major focus during the whole sort of shelter-in-place and work-from-home time uh, that we've all been, been doing for the past six, seven months.
1: Yeah, and, uh, and, and what about some of the other uh, uh, just kind of little details? I mean, um, does this change? And, and I got a Bring it up. I know it's a big financial hit and everything. Are there are there impacts in that kind of way or other ways? Are people going to see a different aquarium than, than what they saw before?
0: Um, well, I, w- I would say, I mean, in terms of um, you know exhibitry and animals, it's we, we we didn't lay off any of the animals, <laughs> right? so. Um, we, haven't, we haven't reduced the scope in that regard. Um, you know, the Academy did take a big financial hit and, and lose a number of staff. We had a lot of layoffs. Thankfully, we've been able to bring back a lot of people from furlough uh, as we've been ramping up and reopening, which is fantastic. Um, but, the, yeah, there were impacts that will, you know, shape what we do in terms of our museum exhibits and, and some of the enhancements that we make on the public floor in the coming years. Um, you know there were things on the calendar that had to get pushed out yeah uh, both because of fund- funding limitations and because we don't have the bandwidth on the now smaller team to to make those things happen
1: well open to the public Friday october 23rd is there a reservation system what how do how do people get yeah, back? yeah you
0: just go to the the calacademy.org website and all the information is right there. Um, you book your tickets online and you'll pick a specific date and time and there's health screening questions and and all the information available right there on the website.
1: Well, final question then, uh, Methuselah, how's Methuselah holding up? What are your, what are your thoughts about, uh, I'm glad to hear Methuselah is still with us.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, Methuselah is still with us. Um, you know, it's, it's a great, great animal and a great story and a, and a, uh, great way that to kind of nod to the history of, Uh, the Academy and of Steinhardt Aquarium and what a you know a a deep part of the cultural community in in the Bay Area that that we've been for for many many years so yeah I I look at Methuselah every time I come in Um, she's in Uh, her own tank um, with with a bunch of smaller fish uh, because that's what she prefers Uh, you know we've tried her in in other habitats (laughs) and other settings and um, she didn't seem to be as happy as where she is now so so that's where we're planning on keeping
1: we'll keep Methuselah happy um so glad to hear you've reopened i've been doing a lot of hikes through golden gate park and kind of just always hiking around one side or the other of the Cal Academy and just all these great memories come up every time I come come by there and I know I'm going to have a lot more great memories to come and just just glad you're you're open again and uh, look at, look forward to uh, checking it out
0: yeah no I appreciate it thank yeah, you thank you for your time yeah happy to do it
1: You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Heather Knight and our guest, Bart Shepard. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by treating yourself to a digital edition at sfchronicle.com pod.